This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 232, and I'm talking with Julia Conan. Julia recently placed 10th at the Olympic Marathon Trials in Atlanta, running a time of 2.30.43, which was a one-minute PR for her. I remember seeing Julia come by uh, with the last 600 meters to go thinking, who is that? She's in 10th place. Why don't I know who she is? And so I was so excited to get on the phone with her and talk about the race and her marathoning experience and what her life looks like. This was only her fifth marathon. She ran a 231 at Twin Cities this past fall. And so this was another big PR for her. And she is just on this path of major success in marathoning. Crazy story. Julia did not start running until five years ago. She played soccer and basketball growing up and played soccer all through college. And then when she went on to get her master's, she was able to run competitively for the University of Southern Indiana. It is pretty insane to think of all that has happened in her life in the last five years with running. Five years ago, she ran her very first race, and just this past weekend, she placed 10th at the Olympic Marathon Trials. Julia also works full-time at the Panera Bread corporate offices, and until this past fall, she actually had two jobs. She was also working for the St. Louis Cardinals, so she was literally working like 60, 70 hours a week and running 100 miles a week when she trained for that marathon in Twin Cities. She did pull back on the second job and training for the Olympic trials. She has still been working her normal eight to five at the Panera Bread corporate offices. And actually when I talked to her, she was actually at work. She'd already gone back to work from coming back from the race. So an interesting story and so many crazy, awesome things ahead for Julia in her running career. She is just getting started. And you all can make sure you're following Julia on Instagram. She is Julia. Conan, that's K-O-H-N-E-N-5. And a little fun fact, she also got engaged after the race on Saturday. So quite the weekend for Julia. And I want to thank a sponsor for this episode, and that is Defunkify. Defunkify is my favorite liquid laundry detergent with four little boys and all kinds of craziness going on in this house. I need a laundry detergent that is going to get some stink out of my clothes. Defunctify's liquid laundry detergents are the highest performing and safest detergents ever made. Bio-based and scented with essential oils, they crush odor, smell amazing, and they are proven safe, EPA Safer Choice certified. Not only do they have laundry detergent, they also have odor remover sprays and stain remover. I use all of these products and I cannot say enough good things about them. You know how when you've been wearing the same sports bra or the same shirt for like five years and it just has that smell, like it just has that smell, Defunctify can help you get rid of that smell. So go to Defunctify.com and use the code ANOTHER to get 25% off your first order. All right. And when you support a sponsor of the show, you are directly supporting this show. So I thank you very much for that. All right. Let's enjoy this conversation with Julia Conan. 
All right. Well, today on the podcast, I'm so excited to welcome Julia Conan to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Julia. Thank you. How are you feeling coming off 10th place at the Olympic marathon trials? I'm feeling good. I'm excited. Uh, there's been a lot of congratulations over the last few days. So, so feeling good. Yeah. A little sore, but <laughs> are you, um, just my hamstring. I, I, I tweaked it a little bit in the race and that that's put me out for a little bit. Um, just soared the last few days, but other than that, everything feels great. At what point in the race did you feel that happening? Oh, I remember it vividly, like my, between mile 18 and 19, um, it just, I got this huge pull in there and I thought when I got to mile 19, I thought I was done. I thought that it was over. Um, and that's kind of when I decided to take it back a notch. Wow. Really? What place were you in at that time? Um, I was with the lead pack. So I was with, there was a pretty big group of us, I'd say probably 12 still or so, um, at the front. And I was running up there with the pack, felt great, nothing, no issues. I felt like I was just going to hang on for the rest of it. And then it was just a surge right in the middle of my hamstring, um, and it scared me. I was like, no, don't this, don't let this happen right now. You were feeling good. You were running smooth. Um, and then when I got to 19, it was just shooting pain. And I was like, how am I going to do this? So I kind of backed off a little bit, which I was scared to do because then that left me by myself versus in a pack. Um, I was like, with the wind, I'm going to be running into the wind by myself. But I know I can't hang on um, with these girls at this pace anymore. My leg is just killing me. Everything else felt fine. But, um, yeah, my leg leg was hurting pretty bad at that point. Wow. You never would have known. Like, as a spectator, Uh, you never would have guessed. Well, I ran past my coach right around there, mile 18 to 19. And uh, he saw me holding it, and he looked at my mom, and he said, Mm. she she did something. And so he knew, and he could tell – but I just, I didn't like completely tear or anything. And I decided just to take it smooth and let my legs kind of, um, work themselves out a little bit, use the hills, like going downhill, just let it take me and try and preserve my leg as much as possible. Um, so I think just dialing it back a little bit helped me finish smooth, just not as fast as I would have liked. Wow. Okay. So let's get to know you because You know, I follow women's running pretty closely and I saw you coming by with 600 to go and I kind of counted back to 10th place and I didn't know who you were. And so I immediately wanted to have you on the podcast because like, who is this woman that's in 10th place, you know, ahead of so many elite runners that we all follow so closely and as well as, you know, so many people that dropped from the race. So uh, I'd love to just kind of get a little bit of a background story on you. I did a little research and saw you grew up playing soccer and basketball. Um, but yeah, could you just share a little bit of your story with us? Yeah, I, I do have a pretty interesting running story. So I never ran track or cross country, anything. Um, growing up, I played soccer very competitively and I played basketball competitively up through high school, uh, played for my high school varsity, both sports. And then when it came to college, I had to narrow it down to one sport, um, got a soccer scholarship to the university of Southern Indiana. And I played four years of college soccer there. And then, um, I kind of just, 
after soccer ended, I was like all sad and I was like, oh, I just, I have no more com- like competitive sports. I'm done with sports. Like this is what I did my whole life. Our season's over. And so being all sad about that and then just trying to keep in shape and, um, not let it get to me. I was just running around campus and that's when the cross country and track coach at the university of Southern Indiana went up to my soccer coach and kind of asked about, Hey, who's this girl and why is she running around campus all the time? And my soccer coach at the time was just like, Oh yeah, she, um, always won our fitness test. Uh, she really did, did good in the, um, probably one of the fittest girls on the team. And that was a, definitely a, a strength I had when I played soccer. And so he then approached me and was asked if I'd be interested in trying out um, for the cross country and track team. And my first response was, no, I just used four years of eligibility. I'm graduating. I'm moving home back to St. Louis. Um, I'm not really interested. I don't know anything about cross country or track. I've never done it before. And then he was like, I think you should just give it a try. Just come out and um, do like a test run with us and see what, see what happens. Um, we can offer you, you get a fifth year of eligibility in any other sport, which at the time I had no idea. I thought you only had four years, but you get four years in one sport, but you get five years total. So that was an interesting piece. And then I agreed to go out for a three mile test run and I showed up in like my soccer shorts and tennis (laughs) shoes and didn't really know what I was doing. And after that three mile, I don't remember the time I ran, but it was, I think like that, I mean, faster than he definitely expected. And he offered a, a full ride for my master's to get my master's and come back and run on the cross country and track team. So to get your master's paid for is an opportunity you don't really pass up. And that is when I first got into running. And that was um, about 2015. That's incredible. Five years ago. Yeah. Oh, and then wow. I, I still had that whole year, had no idea what I was doing. They had to walk me through everything. I was clueless. <laughs> <laughs> like how the race racing system works and how you place and all that? Oh, yeah. they. Um, my first meets, I was showing up with like, I didn't even have shoes. They were finding um, guys' shoes, hand-me-downs to like let me use. Um, <laughs> I didn't. I never had worn track spikes or um, anything like that. I'm like, oh, I have soccer cleats, if that's what you mean. <laughs> um, so yeah, they had to walk me through the basics and kind of explain it all to me that whole year. <laughs> yeah, I always think about the running coaches in high school, I'm always like, you know, they're eyeing those soccer players thinking, Oh, you could be such a fast runner on my team. Yeah. That's, I hear that a lot. They're like, Oh, um, I have some friends who are running coaches and they're like, yes, we always look at the soccer player people and we're like waiting for soccer tryouts to see who doesn't make it and who we can uh, pick up to bring to the cross country and track teams. <laughs> yeah. Who we can swoop in and grab. Yeah. Well, you're really kind of, just on this path to major success in the marathon. I can't, you know, I just talked to another gal who PR'd on um, Saturday in Houston, um, uh, Brittany, Brittany Charbo. She got 13th. And I am just so impressed by you ladies who could run a PR on that course in Atlanta um, with the wind as well. And just, I think it's just such a testament to how much further you have to go in this career, you know, in running. 
And I'm so intrigued by your story as well, because you're working full time and pursuing running at such a high level as well. So can you share with everybody what you do professionally and how you're kind of managing the two? Yeah. So I have been, um, with Panera bread. So I work for the corporate offices in St. Louis. Um, I moved home from Southern Indiana in, um, the summer of 2015. And that's when I graduated with my master's and I, uh, started applying a bunch of places and I always loved, um, Panera and the headquarters is here. So I first started there, um, this summer will be five years ago and I started in the marketing department and then now, um, I work more with the franchise and I manage franchise relationships. So I have done this. Yeah, I've been here for five years, but I also worked part-time for the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, for the last five years, Um, I just recently had my last season with the Cardinals, but I was a member of Team Fredbird. Uh, So I would be working during baseball season probably 60 to 80 hours a week on top of running 100 miles a week. (laughs) So it it definitely was a busy lifestyle. But now um, currently I just work full time for Panera and then pursue my running. Yeah, I mean, with that kind of schedule, there's just no way you would have had time for anything else. Work, run, sleep, eat, work, run, sleep, eat. Yeah, I did. That's what I did a lot of that. (laughs) I tried to make time for um, family and I have two puppies and all that, too. So it was (laughs) a busy schedule. Did you decide when, you know, this year, were you just thinking that you had to give up the St. Louis Cardinals thing? Because it was it just too much? Yeah, it was um, my fifth year doing it, um, and I loved it. It was such a fun job and such a cool opportunity to be at every baseball game. But I knew with working full-time, and then I would wake up at 5, go for my run, try and get to the office at Panera by 8.30, um, 9 o'clock, work here till 5, and then drive straight down to – the stadium and work at the Cardinals game from five thirty or six until the game was over, get home at 11, wake up at five and do it all again. <laughs> so I just knew if I wanted to focus on running. So I finished out this whole season and worked until October. Wow. And, yeah. And, uh, worked all summer. And then I knew that if with my running and everything coming up that I needed to make more time for that and two jobs was not doable anymore. <laughs> well, yeah. And you ran twin cities two thirty one on that schedule. Yes. I, uh, was training for twin cities doing anywhere between hundred and 120 miles a week, uh, with that schedule as well. Wow. And so how did you remain injury free? Do you make time for strength training as well? Or are you just pretty durable still? Um, I do. I do enjoy strength training. Yeah. I try and get to the gym and do weights, um, two to three times a week, if not more, uh, there, a lot of it would be done during my lunch break Mm -hmm. at work. I would, uh, take a quick 45 minutes and go to the gym or there's also, um, a gym really close to Panera called Evolve where I would go on Tuesdays and Thursdays and work out with a small group. Um, and we focus on strength training there. Wow. Okay. So you're, so the Olympic trials, um, you ran the two thirty forty three, and that was coming off twin cities this fall when you ran the two thirty one. what number marathons were those for you? Like how many have you run? 
Twin Cities was my fourth. Okay. And so the trials was my fifth. Wow. So, you know, a top 10 finish. Did you have your sights set on that going into this weekend? Um, to be honest, no. <laughs> I I guess I should be more confident when I say that. But, no, I went in and I Twin Cities, I had a goal of running, like, 235. Okay. And I – when it, and I knew I could run that um, if I was having a good day. And I ended up running 231. And I was like, wow, that <laughs> I, I surprised myself with that one. I think I surprised a lot of people. And um, when I did that, kind of like how you said at the beginning of the podcast, and you were like, I didn't know who you were. I heard that a lot that weekend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people were like, who are you're not involved in the running world? Who are you? <laughs> Um, we don't know you, we know everyone. And I've had a lot of people say that to me, um, after and even before Twin Cities, um, that I, cause I haven't been as involved with the elite running world as much as, um, a lot of people out there. And it's such a tight community. I feel like everybody knows everybody. <laughs> so I was kind of an outcaster. Um, but yeah, so Twin Cities, I surprised myself with the 231 and then going into the trials, uh, I was ranked 24th. So I definitely had a goal. I was like, if I'm ranked here, I can, um, get, stay top 20. But then I also knew that there were girls that were ranked, like obviously a lot higher numbers that are very, very talented. And I'm like, Oh, well, you got to watch out for them too. And, um, so my goal was just do the best I can to stay top 25. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's pretty incredible. I mean, in to go into it, top 25 when you looked at the rankings was did that surprise you oh yeah I saw they like gave me bib number 24 and I was like (laughs) did they mess up something here (laughs) what it what does that feel like because you know you said you were running with the top pack until mile 18 um and a lot of these women have been running competitively truly their whole lives I mean we're talking Sarah Hall people that have won you know national titles for years and um I just wonder what that feels like to kind of be that person that's there and you belong, but you're really the unknown. Yeah, it was funny. At one point I was running and it was um, like the Hoka girl. So Kellen Taylor, Stephanie Bruce, and then I was right next to Des and Sarah Hall. And I was just looking around and I'm like, <laughs> they probably are like, who is this girl trying to hang on to us? And why is she here? Um, but then I was totally fangirling <laughs> and like, wow, I get to run next to these awesome ladies <laughs> like that. This is a dream come true. So it was, a, it was a pretty surreal experience. I imagine so. So when you came in for 10th, did you know you were in 10th place? No, I did not know. I, um, Saw that like when Emily Sisson dropped out, and then I saw I passed uh, Sarah Hall, and uh, a couple other people had dropped out. I was like, okay, I gotta be top 15. Um, but I was also kind of bummed because I felt so good, like I said, and I was hanging with the top group, I wanted to hang with them longer. And dropping off around mile 19 was kind of hard, um, because I did want to be up there longer. Um, but I, I thought I was top 15, but I wasn't very sure. And then um, the I when I crossed, someone was, I, don't, I forget who said it. I th- the girl in front of me was like, I'm ninth. And so you had to be 10th. And I was like, what? Tenth? Oh, when you I, finished? 
Yeah, that's when I like figured it out because they were all telling the places. I had no idea that I was 10th. Wow. Yeah. Nell Rojas, I think was, was the ninth yeah, place. Yeah, she was ninth. Did you duke it out with anybody at the end? I, I We saw you guys streaming in around 600 meters out, but everybody seemed pretty scattered at that point. Yeah, no. Um, Nell was a pretty good distance in front of me. And usually at the end of a race, I have a a kick like I like to conserve and have a kick but my legs were not moving then and I saw her but I was like I don't think I there's no catching her so she had a pretty good lead on me and then um the girl that finished after me I had a pretty good gap on as well so there was no real like tough finish like competition there at the very end did you look over to make sure yeah I looked behind me yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh make sure no one's coming uh, on my heels because if that's the case I need to get going yeah and I mean those women in the top 10 with you we're talking Kellen Taylor Steph Bruce Sally Kipiego I mean you're running among athletes that are just the highest of of caliber athlete um in the country and so do you have after this weekend feelings or thoughts on, wow, what can I do next? Uh, yeah, it's definitely been talked about, um, and asked of me already is what is next? Uh, what opportunities are going to come up? I mean, I went back to my normal life. I got back to St. Louis on Sunday and I went, woke up and went to work Monday morning. Like nothing had changed. (laughs) Um, so yeah, and I'm at work today. Um, but it's definitely a thought of what is next and what can I do if I dedicate more fully to running or, um, what kind of opportunities come, can come from this. Yeah. But do you feel, cause I, I hear a lot of people say, you know, there's a lot of elite runners who also work, like we're talking Roberta Groner. She's a full-time nurse. She unfortunately had to drop this race, but she was ranked up there, I think like 16th or something. Um, But I hear a lot of people say, I think it's good for me to have the balance of working outside of running too. Do you, do you fear what that shift would do or does it excite you? Um, I agree with that. I am always been a person that's like has to do a million things at one time um (laughs) hence why I was working 70 (laughs) hours a week well and so I that's just how I've always um functioned and done like I when I was playing sports I was playing on two to three soccer teams and two to three basketball teams at a time it was never just like one so I think personally that does help me as I function well off of doing multiple things at one time But then I also have the thoughts like some days when after a run, I'm like, I would love to just Mm. go do some recovery and stretching and core and uh, strength work for an hour and then maybe do some like take an ice bath and focus on recovery and have more time to that instead of coming home from my run, doing five minutes of stretching, jumping in the shower, going to work and sitting at a desk. Like, so I definitely have those thoughts of, man, it would be so nice if I could just eat, breathe, sleep, run and like focus on that. But to your point, I do think the distractions and having multiple things going on has been something that has kept me so positive about running because it's not my only focus. Yeah. So a 545 mile, did you, when you started running marathons, did you imagine that that would be something you'd do? (laughs) No, when my uh, coach now, he told me I was going to run my first marathon and I ran 
like 247. Okay. And that was off of very little training. I, I, I had just been running around St. Louis for fun. I hadn't officially joined like the team until a couple months before that. And I was like, oh, for a marathon, I'm never going to run close to six minute pace. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy though, two, 230 on that course in Atlanta. I get you in Chicago again. Cause I know you've run it before, but get you in Chicago again. You, I feel like you've got like a two twenty six in you. Yeah. That's um, something I have talked about with my coaches. If, and other people, they keep asking that it wasn't that course terrible, pretty hilly. And I'm like, yeah, it was pretty hilly. And you had the winds. They're like, what do you think you could do? And on a flat course or one of these fast courses, I'm like, I don't know. I guess that's what we're going to have to see next is yeah. Chicago or even, Something as crazy as like CIM, where everyone always talks about running a PR there. Um, it's what what could my time be? Yeah. What were the crowds like in Atlanta? They were awesome. Um, I there were some spots that were like there. It was the quiet spots where you got kind of on your own, and there wasn't much crowd. But when you were running through um, the main streets, people were just cheering the whole time, every lap, super loud. Um, that that was awesome. It was a fun experience to see. And then because I hear all about the Boston crowds being the best crowds ever. And when I did Boston, it was 2018 the <laughs> year that no one wants to remember because no one was on the streets. I mean, it was the worst weather you could ask for. So no one was standing out there. So I never got to experience that. So I thought the crowds crowd support was was pretty awesome. You should run New York. I know I do. That's my, one of my goals is I really want to do New York soon. I feel like, I think the crowds are better in New York and, um, it seems as though based on what you just ran that you might do okay on a hilly course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Twin cities wasn't too flat of a course either. So I guess, um, hills don't scare me as much as I thought they did. Like when they said they showed the course further and I was like, oh, I hate hills, but <laughs> I, I didn't really feel that bad. Yeah, it sounds like it's a strength of yours. All right, friends, quick break here to let you know I'm going to be going out to Santa Cruz, California for the run. She is beautiful 10K. If you are in that area, make sure you pop by at 5 p.m. Friday, March 20th. I'm going to be at the expo doing a live interview and I cannot wait to meet anybody who might be out there as well. And friends, if you are loving this show, please consider leaving us a rating and review on whatever podcast app you listen on. I'm not just saying that. If you could go do that, that would be incredible. I would appreciate it so much. And if you love this episode and want to share the love and get the word out about Julia, take a screenshot and share it with your friends on social media. That's also a really great way people might find out about the show who wouldn't otherwise know about it. You can find more content for me over on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. And I am hoping to put out another bonus episode this coming Monday. I am really enjoying doing two episodes a week every once in a while. And I don't know if it can be a thing that I will do all the time, but I do plan to put out at least one more Olympic trials uh, race recap before next Friday. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Julia Conan. Tell us how it felt when you crossed the finish line. Um, well, relieving. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> my leg is shot. I'm ready to stop running now. But then I was just like proud. I was just so excited that 
I did it. I saw all these girls drop out and I was just proud of myself for getting to that finish line. Um, I was excited to see my first question was who finished top three? Mm. Like I didn't get to watch the end of the race. Uh Everyone wants to know who the top three girls were. And so super happy for them. I walked past them and they were all, all those three girls were holding the flag and you could just see them smiling. So like, you're just like proud for them in getting to be a part of that and see who's going to the Olympics to represent team USA. And then you could tell that some girls were disappointed and Mm. there was just a lot of emotions and a lot going on. And then I had, um, my boyfriend and my parents like standing off to the side. And so they were like yelling for me to come over. So I was excited to see them, but then I wanted to go talk to other people and it was just very emotional. (laughs) You were like three, three and a half minutes off from the people that are going to Tokyo. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a, that's a crazy thought. And it just, I wonder if what I could have done if my, my legs held up as much as my, like stamina, my heart were, were in it. Um, my head was in it. Just my, my, my legs were failing on me at the end. And it's like, uh, you, you, I wish I had that extra push to see how much longer I could have gone. Yeah. It's crazy to think what you could have done had the hamstring not flared up. And it's so, it's such, it's gotta be a hard thing to think back and, and say what ifs, because you did so great and you had such a great outcome. Um, but yeah, I'm sure cause you were, you were with them. Yeah, I was I was right with them. Um, we had just gone through mile 18, and we were just rolling, and that felt smooth. And then I, that's when it, it, it like came out of nowhere. So did you um, experience like did you see the other women dropping off? Like you said, you mentioned Emily Sisson. Did you see Molly Huddle and others drop off of your pack? Uh, so I saw. Um, well, Jordan has say dropped back pretty early, which yeah. I, I was totally like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, she's, she's the best, like get up here. Yeah. But, um, so she dropped out pretty early and then, um, I did not, I was running next to Molly huddle for a while, but I don't know how I missed. I did not see her drop, but I did see, um, Emily Sisson walking off to the side after mm-hmm. like mile 22 and I was like, okay, I guess she dropped. And then I um, had passed Sarah Hall because she dropped back um, at like mile, I don't remember which one exactly, 20 to 22 in between there somewhere. I I think I like passed her and I was like, okay, why am I passing her? What's going on? Um, so yeah, I did see a couple of these girls falling off to the side and that's when I was like, oh, I wonder what place I'm in and I wonder who else dropped and who hasn't dropped that I missed because I had no idea Molly Huddle dropped until I got to the finish. Oh, right. Yeah, I'm sure. because So did you, you might have thought she was still ahead of you. Yeah, I did. I, I for sure did. Um, she was still she in looked, the pack. Yeah, she looked strong too, so. Yeah, I'm interested to hear her story and, and what the deal is with that. I did see that her and Emily Sisson are going to go after the 10K, but I'm curious to know, um, what was going on. Yeah. And that's kind of what I thought too, is that some of these girls are, well, for those two specifically going to go after the 10 K. So maybe in their heads, they're like, we know we're not going to do top three. Is it smarter to drop, um, than to push through? So that could have been, um, the case for a couple of other people as well. Yeah. So you mentioned your coach a little bit. I'm interested to hear about the group that you train with and, and who your coach is. Yeah. So my coach 
he's awesome. He, I would not be anywhere near where I am or doing what I'm doing without him. Um, his name's Jason Holroyd and we are a group, um, go St. Louis. We run together. Um, so I joined the team. I would say like, I, when I first moved home for to St. Louis after college, I just, I didn't really continue to run competitively. I just was running for fun and I did some half marathons for fun, um, in the St. Louis area. And I ended up winning, um, like two of them. And that's when someone from the team kind of approached me and they're like, who do you run with? And I was like, nobody, I just run for fun. <laughs> um, and that's when I got looped into the team. And then over the last few years, we've gotten more and more developed into an organized elite team. And so we are a St. Louis elite racing team. Um, there's probably about five to 10 girls and 15 or so guys, 15, 20 guys on the team. And we are all coached by Jason and, um, it works out perfectly for me because the group meets every single morning, um, right by forest park. And I happen to live right by forest park. So I'll just run to the runs. Um, Jason has wrote, written all of our training plans. We have some of the team focuses on five Ks, 10 Ks, some focuses on half full training. So we do a lot of our training together, um, and I had a good group of guys that were also doing some half and some marathon training with extra mileage that I was able to train with um, leading up to Twin Cities and leading up to um, the trials. And then Jason also ran Twin Cities with me. And he set a PR. We ran side by side the whole race. Um, that, like awesome experience. Best coach ever, like staying there with me the whole race and he said his PR and ran 231 as well that day. Really? So, yeah. He said that he would never do a marathon again <laughs> after after Chicago when we ran uh, 239 in 2017. He did, he was there for that, and he was like, I'm never doing a marathon again. And then I talked him into Twin Cities, and we both had an eight-minute PR that day. And you ran side-by-side. Side. Did you both feel similar? Yeah, at Twin Cities um, – we were neck like just running together and talking and we got through the halfway mark and I was like ran 116 like even and I was like Jason I feel so good and he was like stay relaxed like you still have <laughs> half half marathon to go and I because I think if it wasn't for him I would have gotten a little too anxious or excited um he just was like stay relaxed and yeah he stayed with me um for the whole thing. And then we started slowly passing like the top girls. And then he at like mile 22 was like, we got this and knew that I was going to like take the lead there. And I, and I looked at him and I was like, if you want to go, go, don't stay with me. And he was like, Nope, I'm not, I don't feel like I got it. So like he wanted to stay, but I think he had a little, little extra left in him. Oh, wow. Now he's going to have to try to beat your two thirty. Yeah, I know. I, he said he was done with marathons, but I think I can talk him into one more. Yeah, because now you're going to want to break 230 together. Exactly. And he could easily do that. He just gets better and better. Everyone on our team is like, Jason, you get better with age. How old is he? Um, 43, 44. Okay. Like that. Okay. And are you 28, 29? 27. Okay. I'll be 27. 28 this summer. Okay. I was trying to do math back from... I feel like the article I read was talking about when you were in college, but maybe it was because it was talking about your master's. Yeah. Um, wow. That's so cool. Uh, I have ran the St. Louis Marathon many years ago. It was like 
maybe 2009. It was a very long time ago. Oh, that's awesome, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember too much of it. I feel like it was just a total lifetime ago because it was before I had kids and I must have been just like a year married. I just it's crazy. Time goes by so fast. Yeah, it's definitely a lot different now than it was. Like, oh, really? The, yeah, the course has changed quite a few times since then. Okay. And I remember thinking it was hilly then, but is it not? Uh, it's still pretty hilly, yes. Okay. <laughs> you'll, have, you'll have some hills. Okay, okay. Um, well, something else exciting happened to you this weekend. You got engaged. Yes, I did get engaged right after the race, actually. <laughs> okay, tell me your feelings on that. Like, were you expecting that? Did you know that was something that was going to happen soon? Um, so yeah, we've been dating, um, this summer will be three years and we've lived together for over a year, like a year and a half now. And so we've obviously talked about it, but no, did I expect it to be at the trials <laughs> after I ran a marathon and I'm sweaty and like all these emotions, I had no idea. Um, but it was really awesome because my family was there. His family was there. I had some of my best friends travel in from all over the country for it. We ended up having a group of 45 people with wearing my name on a sweatshirt um, and cheering for the race. And then everyone was there. And then like to celebrate that night, it, it was, it was perfect. Um, but even like the day before, uh, one of the girls that I run with, she was talking about, she said that she knew her friend, her friend thought she was going to get engaged after the race and she thought her boyfriend was going to propose. And I was like, oh man, that's like, that's risky because I'm so, I'm so competitive. If I have a bad race, I'm going to be <laughs> so crabby. And like, if all that, so I did ask Tyler, um, who's my fiance now, I said, I asked him, I said, what would you have done if I raced bad? Cause he knows how crabby I get when I don't have a good race uh -huh. he was like oh yeah your mom and I were just praying that it was a good race day for you <laughs> <laughs> do you what do you think he would have held off um depending on my mood yeah I think he would have had to go with a plan b because I I'm just so competitive and if I would have been disappointed in myself or not happy I would have been like a Debbie Downer I would have tried to I mean racing in the Olympic trials, you can't be that much of a Debbie Downer. But um, I think he would have had to think of a plan B to do it a little bit later. Where did you guys go to celebrate? Um, my parents and Tyler had planned it all beforehand. Um, and they rented out this little bar downtown. They said they called like a million places, oh, but bet. everywhere. I mean, not only was it the Olympic trials, it was the Atlanta marathon. Mm -hmm. And to make reservations for 45 people isn't so it wasn't easy to do that weekend, um, but they found this bar called the Big Kahuna, and they set up, uh, we had like our own personal little bar and then buffet-style food so that people could eat and get some drinks, and um, we had that rented out for a couple hours um, after the race, and so that ended up being perfect. Um, the only caveat was that we had it from like 6 to 9 or 6 to 8.30, and I did, I guess we didn't plan on me being in the award ceremony. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I had to go to the award ceremony and receive a medal, which was just awesome in itself because I was on stage next to Alphine <laughs> and Dez and these so cool. am amazing girls. But um, so everyone went to the, the bar and they were waiting for us and 
the award ceremony was running late because, you know, the top five have to get drug tested and um, they did all that. So it kept starting later and later. My mom was like, you could tell getting antsy. She's like, oh my gosh, we have this rented out and not for all night and people are there waiting for us, but we're not there. <laughs> uh, and my brother, he's funny. He, he was at the award ceremony with us and he looked at me and he was like, I mean, you couldn't have stuck with 11th, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. That had to be so cool. What time was the awards? Um, it started, it was supposed to be from five to seven, Okay, but the awards didn't really start until a little bit after six. So did you like meet the other women in the top nine? What did that look like? Yeah. So we were all just in the, um, awards or the conference room at the Omni hotel where they had everything set up. And, uh, the crowd wasn't huge because I mean, people were still race or like had just raced and I'm sure people were with their family, but they're waiting for the top 10 to get in there and they did men first. And so they announced the top 10 and called them up on stage. And I mean, you got to see like the top guys up there standing, um, and just like kind of hearing their story and then they took some pictures and then they announced, uh, the top 10 females. So, um, I was able to go up there and then all the Hoka girls were there and, uh, Molly Seidel and you, those, the top three obviously got their trophies and, um, we got top 10 got medals and just standing on stage, taking pictures with them. Yeah, it was pretty cool. We didn't really get to talk much or socialize much, but we were still there. Yeah. You, I mean, you're one of them. You belong. It's, it's so cool. And I'm so happy for you. Um, I do see that you ran a two and a half minute PR in the half at Houston when, you know, it seems like so many of the women racing, um, at the trials ran Houston two and a half minutes in the half. That is a massive PR. Did that give you some confidence going into this race? Oh yeah, for sure. I, um, had run Houston previously the year before and set a two-minute PR then. I went from 115 to 113. And then going into it this year, everyone was like, what's your goal for Houston? And I'm like, well, I hope to break 113 at least. Mm. And, yeah, I ran 111, almost even. Um, so, yeah, two-and-a-half-minute PR. And that was pretty exciting. But then it's also, I mean, I ran – I thought that was pretty fast, but – I wasn't even like top 20, I don't think, or I maybe I would have been like 16th or something, but there's just so many fast girls and so many talented girls in that race. It was unbelievable. Yeah. You know, that race is so interesting going into the trials because everybody's doing something a little bit different. It seems like training wise coming off of, off of what their week was. And I mean, if you look at what Alephine did, I don't, I don't have it memorized, but she was not, you know, I feel like she was like eighth American or something like that. So um, and then she went on to win the trial. So it's it's always an interesting it, – it's not a prediction. You just don't know what you're going to do after that. Yeah, it was definitely interesting. I think I read something – I don't know if this is accurate or not, but how, like, Molly Seidel wasn't even going – was considering not doing the trials, um, but just, like, ran so well at Houston and was like, okay, yeah, now I'll go for it. <laughs> and she ends up being second. I'm, it, it was a definitely an interesting race. Yeah, I'm blown away by that. The fact that that was her debut marathon. That's unbelievable. She, that she should be proud of that. I mean, that shows strong right there. Yeah, I know. There's so many 
possible unknowns in the marathon until you've done the distance. You don't know what your body's going to actually do. Um, I'm sure she was training some pretty, pretty intense mileage and pretty intense long runs, but still it's, that's very impressive. Yeah. Like you said, like 26 miles, anything can happen. Yeah. What have you, what, what will you take from, um, this race as far as what you've learned and what you will use for, for the next one? I think I definitely need to learn to, I mean, I have the confidence now that I can't hang with these girls. I go into these, I've gone into like these races being like looking at the top group as like I idle them. Mm. And then people ask like, what are you expecting? And I'm like, oh, I, I should be top 25. And I'm going to learn that I can go into this and be like, no, I'm going to be top five. And just. I can hang with them as much as I tell myself that I can't. Um, the last few races I've had, I've shown that I can hang with the top group and I should be more confident going into it like that. Yeah, that's really good. Anything else about the course that as a spectator, we wouldn't know? I know I heard that the, the footing was rough in places, but is there anything else that we wouldn't know from just watching you all race? Um, so yeah, that I mean, I, everyone talked about the hills. Like going into the race, you were like, "It's hill, a hill lanta." Like everyone be ready, <laughs> and so you you knew to expect hills. And I really, I've, I've read some articles, and some people were very like much like this. That course was terrible, and I did not think the hills didn't hit me as hard as they expected. But that's probably because I went in with expectations of them being terrible, um, mm-hmm. and I didn't think it was as bad as I thought it was going to. They're rolling. So take advantage of the downhill when you had it um, and get back going on the uphill. Uh, The last part when you're dying and it's mile 24 and a half and you just want to be done, that's when it got hard because you were going uphill. And I feel like that's just when the wind was in your face and you're running by yourself because everyone's spread out at that time. And so you're going uphill into the wind. And you have 25 miles under your legs. And, like, that's what, and that's when it hurts. Um, but other than that, I thought the, the course was well done. Uh, the water bottle part where personal fluids, I mean, they had more personal fluid tables than any marathon, I think, in history. And it, it worked out. They were able to pull it off. Um, so the Atlanta Track Club did a good job there. And everything seemed to be pretty organized. And they... They had it down, all the details figured out. Was it hard to grab your bottle and pinpoint exactly where it was going to be? After the first one, you knew kind of how it worked. Um, first one, it, it was awkward. It was like mile two, and you saw all these guys' tables. And I'm like, shoot, where are the girls' tables? And then the girls were still really close. So we're all on top of each other trying to get to our different um, tables. And there's like everyone, I mean, a million girls' tables too. So that I think the first one was tricky because you don't want to step in front of someone. You don't want to hit over their water. Like you want to be cautious of that, but then you're also like, you got to be selfish and make sure you get what you need. And, um, but once you'd had that and you saw how it was going to be set up, at least personally for me, I was like, okay, I can, I got this. And it wasn't bad. The rest of them. Yeah. I feel like my biggest fear would be tripping people. Uh, yeah. The first two miles, I think, I almost tripped people. People almost tripped me. I like their ankles were being kicked. Shoes were being stepped on mm. elbows. Like 
all the girls were just so tight and trying to break out, but no one obviously wanted to go off from the, the gun, like mile one, like you gotta, you know, hills are coming, you know, wind's coming, you gotta be smart. Um, and no one wanted to take the lead, but it, it was just a cluster for a while. So once it got a little more spread out, it was better, but those first few miles were rough. Wow. Well, I hope that you continue to celebrate this for a very long time because you just killed it and you have so much to celebrate too because you just got engaged. So we're so happy for you. Congratulations for so many different things. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it was a fun day. Well, let's wrap up with some into the podcast questions now that we know you a little bit more and we heard about your race a little bit. Um, Julia, what's one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, I personally, I guess, yeah, this would fall under the personal category. I want to do a mission trip. Um, it's something I've always wanted to do, go to a mission trip to Africa or South America and just be in a community that of kids or people that are, um, under less privileged and kind of learn their culture and just be part of that and help in any way I can. Um, always been a bucket list of mine and that's something I really want to do. <laughs> do you enjoy traveling? I love traveling. Okay. love traveling. What's an accomplishment you're most proud of? Um, I would say my answer just recently changed, but my most proud is not dropping out on Saturday when I thought my leg was going to give up and trying to see what I could do. And um, just when I felt the pain, not giving up right away and just mentally hanging in there. Gosh, looking back. Can you imagine if you did just like after what you accomplished and placing top 10, like, oh, if you would have dropped out. Oh, my gosh. And I, the thought was in my mind. And I am glad that I, I could have easily just dropped out and been like, my hamstring was done. But it ended up not being as bad as I thought. And I'm, I'm walking today. Like it's, uh, I would have been, I would have just beat myself up for way too long. Yeah. And I mean, you, you might not have known that you would have placed 10th, but now that you do know, it's like, whoa, thank God. Yeah, I, I do. I'm like, God was on my side that day. He told me to keep going. What's a nonprofit you like to support? Um, so, well, I did rescue two, um, Tyler and I have two of puppies that were abandoned in a field last year so we've always been like supportive of the APA and um, those animal adoption centers but I think my main one would be to support a pediatrics um, something that is like a -A make-a-wish or a St. Jude that helps kids and sick kids and just anything with pediatrics like always breaks my heart and I would love to be able to donate to those type of nonprofits as much as possible. And if you could have coffee, tea, or cocktail with someone fun, motivating, or inspiring, who would it be? Ellen DeGeneres. She just seems like a good time. She's a very giving person. She seems down to earth. I think she would be fun to have um, a cocktail with. Oh, yeah. She'd be a good one. What's the best, most recent book you've read? Um. Currently, I am reading a book. Um, we are doing it as like a working group at work. Um, it's called Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Mm. And it just kind of talks about uh, tough conversations in the workplace, um, how you can step up to be a leader, breaking down vulnerability vulnerability, and what it means and how to be vulnerable. And 
Um, it's I'm not finished with it, but it's so far a very interesting and she brings out some good points that you don't think about in in the workplace that you can also like bring to your everyday life. That's a smart uh, manager or whoever it is that is uh, implementing reading that book. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, my boss, um, he kind of gave it to us as a group and we're all reading it together and we're going to have um, meetings on it and kind of go through it and just like talk about it. So I've never been part of a group discussion like that. And so that I'm, yeah, I'm really excited. And if you had one message to send to the world, Julia, what would it be? Um, always be open to try or do something new. Um, I was anti joining cross country and track. And if it wasn't for Mike Hilliard, the cross country coach of USI convincing me that it, it would be a good idea I would not be running competitively at all today. And I did not have an open mind and uh, at first, and then I eventually did. And now I'm like, I will try and do anything. I think that being just open to anything and trying new things, whether it's new food or new restaurants or anything, just um, experience new things. It's wonderful. All right, Julia. Well, we'll let you get back to your work day and, um, yeah, congratulations again. We're so excited for you and can't wait to see what's next for you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I really appreciate it. It was fun talking to you too. Awesome. Well, we'll talk soon. All right, bye. Bye. All right, thanks so much everybody for tuning in today. Thank you, Julia, for coming on the show. Don't forget, you can find Julia on Instagram. She's Julia Conan, K-O-H-N-E-N-5. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine 626 you can find me on Twitter at Lindsay Hine, and you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine where we have a group as well, and you should definitely join that group. Don't forget to try out Defunkify. Go to Defunkify.com and use the code ANOTHER for 25% off your first order. That's a good deal. Make sure you do that. All right, friends, have a great Friday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend, and as always, we'll see you next Friday. <laughs>